How far are you walking behind Jesus? Are you near? Are you at a distance? Do you not want to be too close? Because, I mean, if you get too close, people might actually think you're a Christian, right? If you stay at a good enough distance, people will see that you like Jesus. You follow him to a certain extent. You're willing to give him some of your life. But you're just far enough away that you can slip away if you need to. Also, you're just far enough away where you won't suffer because of it. Or you won't be seen as a radical You won't disturb society's conscience by the way you live your life. You're just close enough where you'll say with Paul, like in our second reading, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. But you're far enough away where you won't continue and say, I am not my own. I am his. The disciples we hear in this interesting episode of our gospel passage today provokes the question for us to ask, how far am I discipling away from Jesus? But I think to answer that question, we have to first answer another question. We have to hear a question that its answer determines how far we will disciple away from Jesus. The question is, what are you looking for? The disciples today hear the strange words from John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God. And it's at those words that they're moved to follow after this man, this mysterious man who's walking by. And so they're standing, they hear those words, and they begin to follow. But as they follow, they remain at a distance from Jesus. They don't get too close to him. However, Jesus knows they're following. And then the moment happens, the moment that really sparks this encounter between these two uncertain yet curious men and the Lamb of God. And we hear that Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you looking for? Their response, Rabbi, where are you staying? They don't answer his question. Maybe it's because they don't know how to answer it. Or maybe they don't know what they're looking for. There's a variety of answers that could be said. They simply ask him a question, where are you staying? And he, knowing their hearts, responds very simply, come and see. Come and see. This provoking question of what are you looking for lacks the punch of the translation that we have because what Jesus is really asking more literally is what are you seeking? What are you pursuing? And see, there's a very big difference between what are you looking for and what are you seeking? Because at first when they were standing with John the Baptist, they were just standing and looking very passively. But now, as they walk behind Jesus, now they're actively searching. Now they're actively pursuing, following. There's a difference between the two. 
Last week, we entered that wondrous season of uh, Christmas in which we celebrate, which we wonder and ponder the great mystery of God become man. And now, with great joy, we embark upon ordinary time. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, ordinary time is not when we just simply slacken our efforts because it's just, well, ordinary. Nothing special is going on. But rather, I think our gospel today kind of sets the tone as to what ordinary time should be about. It should be about that every day we're asking ourselves the question, what am I truly seeking in this life? What am I truly pursuing? What am I chasing after? And so when you look at your life now, what is the answer to that question? How would you answer that question today? Our brothers and sisters, it's obvious that we have restless hearts. And we constantly have restless hearts. And because of that, we're always going to be looking for something. We're always going to be pursuing something. We're always going to be seeking something because we're restless. And as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, God. And so the question is, what do you want, really? When you look into the depths of your heart, what do you want? What do you seek? Do you want fulfillment? Do you want maybe a renewed sense of self-confidence? Do you want happiness? Because it is Jesus, in fact, that you seek when you dream of happiness. And he's waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he, Jesus, who urges you to shed the mask of a false life. It is he, Jesus, who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives. The will to follow an ideal. The refusal to allow yourself to be grounded down by mediocrity. The courage to commit yourselves to humbly and patiently to improving yourself and society. It's Jesus who you long for. Jesus and Jesus alone. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ does not mean to follow him at a distance, to remain far enough away to where we're not too close, but rather to be a disciple means to follow close to him, to hold his hand, or rather to let him hold your hand and lead you. And did you notice something interesting about the gospel that only one disciple was named, the other one remained anonymous. Why is that? It's because you are the anonymous disciple. You're the one who follows after Jesus and who Jesus turns to and looks at you with Andrew and says, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? What are you pursuing? What is your answer? 
Is it Jesus? If it's not, that's okay. Because it wasn't their first answer either. These two men who had become apostles. Rather, they asked, Lord, where are you staying? And maybe you're asking that question too. Maybe there's parts of your heart that are not totally committed to Jesus. And they're deflecting the question, what are you really searching for? What are you really pursuing? And they're simply asking, where are you staying? And maybe that's a part of your heart. And Jesus wants to speak to that. And he says to you, come and see. Come and see. And then John tells us that both those disciples, they went and they saw where Jesus was staying. And because of that, they stayed with him that day. You see, as they went with Jesus, they longed to stay with him. And there's another interesting aspect. John, the author, gives us the time of the day. And we're maybe asking ourselves, why would he tell us that it was four in the afternoon? I think it's because he wants to clue us in that they decided to stay the whole night with Jesus. Upon encountering him, they wanted to remain with him for a while. As we read John's gospel, there's two there's one thing that has two aspects to it. To be a disciple, you have to do two things according to St. John. You have to believe and you have to remain or abide. And so when it says that they stayed with Jesus, what it really says is they remained with him. They abided with him. And see, that language takes on a whole different meaning because we see in the gospel that to abide with Jesus means to abide with the Father. Because he is the image of the Father, and he and the Father are one. And where the Father and the Son are, so is the Holy Spirit. So to abide with Jesus means to abide with the Trinity. And so the great beauty of the Christian life, my brothers and sisters, is that you and I, in Jesus Christ, have the unique privilege and honor to be wrapped up in the love of the Trinity. Now you may be asking, what does that even mean, Father? And to be honest with you, I don't know fully. We won't know till heaven. But we can get a taste of it here on earth. And the countless saints of our church have testified that this taste is so sweet. And it's so good that they pursued it. They sought after it every single day. And it all begins with a simple invitation to come and see. And this is the invitation to each and every disciple, each and every day from Jesus to you and to me, Come and see. Come and see. Come and taste the goodness of the Lord. And it makes this statement true. To fall in love with God is the greatest of all romances. To seek Him the greatest adventure. And to find Him the greatest human achievement. In just a few moments, the words of John the Baptist we heard today 
will echo throughout this sacred place. Behold the Lamb of God. And it's those words that should beckon us to come forward worthily in a state of grace to receive him. And I invite you to make this day very special and make this communion time a little different than ever before. And that as you walk down that aisle, as you approach the Lamb of God, you hear the words, come and see, come and see. And maybe as you draw closer, maybe as you approach, you come to the forward to receive Eucharist, it's like an external sign of what's really happening in your heart, that you're drawing closer to the Lamb of God. You desire to walk more closely to Him. And then upon receiving him, you go back to your pew and you simply remain with him. You abide with him. And don't go back to your pew and watch everyone else receive or be distracted by something else because you hold in yourselves the Lamb of God. And to just be with Jesus for a moment in this unique opportunity to abide with him. And as you abide with him, hear the words. And actually close your eyes and picture yourself as that other disciple with Andrew. And as you close your eyes and Jesus is within you, you hear him and you see him look at you in the eyes. And he turns to you and says, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What are you pursuing? And maybe in an act of faith, simply say, you, Jesus. I seek you. I seek your face. I'm pursuing you. I want to chase after you. As you leave today, this beautiful place, maybe your life will be changed with this encounter with Jesus. Maybe a lot, maybe a little. But may that change make your life speak to the world these words, I have found the Messiah. I have found the one for whom my soul longs and for whom my soul thirsts and for whom my soul loves. World, I have found the Messiah. Come and see. God bless you.